following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. The disciples um, have been with Jesus for some time at this point. And they have seen Jesus' uh, ministry life uh, and doing things with just incredible power. Right? They've seen him healing. They've seen him casting out demons. They've seen him uh, walking on water, feeding the multitudes. They have seen a life that is marked by incredible supernatural power. They have also spent a whole lot of time waiting for Jesus to get done praying. It's like, oh, Jesus, he's praying again, right? Well, after some time, I think the disciples, doesn't say this in this passage, but uh, I believe the disciples start to draw a connection between Jesus' prayer life and the power with which he operates in, the power with which he does ministry. And they're starting to see a connection here. Maybe Jesus is so powerful and so effective because of his prayer life. And so they come to him and say, Jesus Teach us to pray, right? We're tired of just sitting here watching you. Show us how to do this, right? Uh, Do you want to know how to pray? Well, uh, honestly, in my own life, and I think for many of us, if we were really honest, we would say, well, no. You know, because I just don't get prayer. Maybe you feel that way. Um, one of the problems is that we have this idea that Jesus exercised this kind of power because he was the Son of God. Right? Now, of course, he was the Son of God, but Scripture is very clear that when he came to earth as a man, as a human being, he did what with all of his supernatural divine glory and power? He emptied himself of it. Right? Not that he could not at any time take it up, but he chose to lay aside the power that was his as the second person of the Trinity who created the universe. Right? He set it aside. And he chose to live life and operate in life as a human. So how did he do all these great miracles and powerful things in his life? Well, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And throughout Jesus' life, he models for us what it means to live as a human being. He demonstrates and shows what God intends for your life and mine. Uh, if we will practice the things and do the things and live life like Jesus did. So uh, uh, the disciples are starting to pick this up. They're starting to get the idea that what Jesus wants for them is to live a life with the same kind of power and effectiveness in life and ministry that he does. They're starting to see that for that to happen, they need to learn how to pray. In fact, we all know the story when Jesus comes off the mountain of transfiguration and they couldn't cast out the, the demon and uh, they come to Jesus afterward. They said, why, why are we failing? And what does Jesus answer? You've got to pray. You, you're not getting prayer. This kind comes out only through prayer, and you're not getting it. Right? So they come to Jesus, and they ask, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. Do you want to know how to pray? I think another problem is that... Uh, uh, in our life, in my life, and a lot of this comes from my own experience, okay? And, and honestly, I, I have no business teaching you how to pray. Let me say that right up front. What I'm going to teach you is what Jesus said, 
And what, what the Holy Spirit will, will show you, right? It's not me, because I am not an expert on the topic, just to be clear on that, right? Um, but I know what Scripture says, and I'm going to share what Scripture says, and we, we pray this morning that Jesus will teach us through the Holy Spirit what prayer is about. Um, but the reality is that, uh, that one of the reasons I think a lot of us have given up and don't take prayer very seriously, and this is certainly true in my life, is that the majority of the time for me, prayer just hasn't worked. Anybody been there? Right? You prayed for something. You know, you read the whole thing, asked, and it will be given. And, like, you asked, and you know what? It just did not happen. Anybody been there? I've been there a thousand times, maybe 10,000 times, right? And I think, well, maybe I didn't have enough faith, so I muster up. You know, I take faith pills. I do faith push-ups. I do everything I can. And I pray with faith. I groan. I sweat. I bleed. Nothing happens, right? We've been there. And, and uh, this happens repeatedly. And, and we come up against things in our life where we have needs and life does not work. And, and uh, we read these passages and we, we try to pray and we just don't see answers. So we get a bit jilted and we just say, well, prayer just doesn't work, right? Uh, and th- this, can, this can happen at all levels. I remember when I was in Bible college, one of the professors there, obviously it had a lot of this kind of history in his own life because he was teaching in class to all the students, God will not do anything as a result of your prayers. He said, uh, and I'm sure, you know, he's a Bible school professor. He has some theological argument why the sovereignty of God and and God will not answer your prayers. Prayer is simply a spiritual exercise to fortify you inside. And, And that was his take on prayer. Well, why was it his take on prayer? Well, because he was a prayer failure. That's why. Um, pastor of a church, a big church actually, adjunct professor at Bible college, had no clue about prayer. So he had relegated it to the bin of, well, it's spiritual jumping jacks. And, you know, you do it, somehow God just kind of strengthens you inside and makes you a better Christian, right? Is that what Jesus taught? Well, when I read this passage here, that's not what I hear Jesus saying. Prayer is your spiritual jumping jacks, and if you do it, you know, you'll be a stronger person. Not what Jesus says, right? Um, But maybe that is how we feel. And because it hasn't worked for us, we've we've created a theology that basically says prayer is not important and doesn't matter in my life. And so if I get around to it, maybe I will, maybe I won't, right? And we know we're supposed to, but uh, it's not a driving force uh, in our life. Um, So Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, what to pray. And uh, he does it in this passage by um, four basic points. Nate uh, uh, led you through the first point last week where Jesus really explains the content of prayer. He talks about what we are to ask for. Uh, We're to pray for the sacred honor and, and sense of awe of his name. Right? We're to pray for that. We are to pray for the coming of his kingdom rule. We are to pray for the provision for our daily needs. We are to pray for forgiveness. And we are to pray that he would protect our faith by not leading us into things that would destroy our faith. He gives us very clear, direct, and simple instructions on what we are to pray for. Okay, Mark those things down because we'll come back to that. Uh, I'm not going to preach on it, but we'll reference it. Then he gives three more points by way of illustrations and examples. And that's what we want to look at today. And in these examples, 
he gives three illustrations, three um, points really, but they're all kind of making the same point. And the point is this. Jesus seeks to instill in them a boldness in asking uh, these requests with the knowledge that their Father in Heaven loves to respond by giving what they ask. Okay, that's the point. And as we unpack this, I hope you see that. He says, ask, because your God, your Father, wants to answer, wants to respond by giving you the things that you are asking for. Okay? Do you believe that? Or did you already check out? <laughs> I go, ah, I don't know about that. Well, hang with me. Let's see. Because, again, it's not me teaching. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Okay? If you have problems, talk to him. Um, first story, first little example is a parable. He says to them, which of you, which of you has a friend? Uh, uh, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight? <laughs> Are you getting the picture here? Which of you has a friend that you would go to at midnight? And say to him, friend, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to give him. And, and your friend will answer from within, you are out of your mind. It's midnight. What are you doing? Right? Go away. Don't bother me. Right? My kids are in bed asleep. If I get up, I'm going to wake up the baby. The wife's going to be mad. This is going to go down bad. Go home. Right? Go home. Um, I tell you, though he will not get up because of friendship. <laughs> okay. We've already wrecked that one. Yet... Because of his impudence, he will get up and he will give you what you ask. Okay, what's that story talking about? Well, um, put yourself in this story's shoes. Do any of you have a friend? Right? Think about this. Okay, think of your list of friends, all five of them. Um, okay, I only have three. <laughs> I'm lying. Uh, if you have a friend, who, who would you call... When you fly into Chiang Mai at midnight and you forgot to arrange transportation home, right, who would you dare to call at midnight to come pick you up at the airport, right? That takes a very special kind of friend. Midnight, phone rings, hey, hi. Uh, you suppose you can come pick me up at the airport, right? I would not be that person, right? I'm your pastor. I love you all. But that's actually Nate's job. Call him. <laughs> <laughs> Because right? he loves to do that. <laughs> right? It takes a special kind of friendship, right? Because we know we are kind of breaking the, the cultural rules of what's appropriate, right? We're going really kind of beyond. We're stretching the friendship, right, to, to its limits and beyond, right? Um, well, why will this friend help you? Well, because he loves you so much and because he's a good Christian and because he's told you, you know, I'm here to serve and live for you. You just call me anytime and I'll be there, right? Wrong, wrong, right? Jesus is honest here and he says, no, 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 that has, that's not friendship, okay? There's other reasons why they would do it. And he says, um, if he calls you and uh, there's only one reason you would do this and it's not friendship, it's because you were just crazy enough and bold enough to ask, and they don't know how to get out of it. Okay, so here's another scenario. It's not midnight anymore, but here, here's what happens, right? Your friend calls you, hey, I'm moving, <laughs> and I need help. You suppose you could help me, right? Uh, and what is your first initial response? Ugh, you know, I would rather eat 
scorpions than help you move. Like, there's nothing worse in the world, right? But you don't say that. Instead, what do you do? Well, you start running through all the possible reasons why you're going to be busy that day. You know, like, yeah, I'm, going to be in, I'm going to be in Hong Kong. You know, I'm going to be, I have an appointment with the king of Thailand that day. <laughs> Who knew? Right? You're thinking of some excuse, right? But you look at your calendar, you look at your day timer, and it's amazingly empty, right? <laughs> Sad, you know? Why did he pick that day? Um, and so there's nothing about friendship that moves you to help him, but why do you help? Well, because you just can't think of a good excuse not to, right? And because he was bold enough to ask, you reluctantly say, yeah, sure, I'll help, right? Do we do that? Any of you help somebody move? So you didn't do it. <laughs> I've helped people move, right? And it was only for that reason, just because they asked and I couldn't get out of it, right? Not creative enough. Well, Jesus says the point of his story here is, if you will help your friends, uh, even when their request goes beyond the limits of friendship, uh, but you will still help just because they were bold enough to ask, right? How much more would God do that? If you'll do that, what would God do? What would God do? Uh, he uses the word here because of his impudence. Uh, big word that I have no idea really what it means. So I had to look it up in the dictionary, and I love this. Uh, Webster, Miriam Webster, she should be fined like a dictionary fine for this because she defined it, impudence is the state or quality of being impudent. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, thanks. That, that really helps a lot. Um, well, let's, let's look at the Greek word because I, I found a better definition there. Um, the Greek word is, is actually without an English equivalent, uh, but it, it's captured somewhat by the idea of shameless. Uh, we ask shamelessly. But uh, we need to understand why, where, where the shame would come from. Uh, it is the idea of uh, that we are, we, are sh- we are not showing respect for the established sacred institutions of things like home, marriage, and laws of hospitality. Right? If some of you have lived in Thailand for a while, uh, a, a good word that actually you could translate here is the word grengjai. Grangjai. If if you've been here long, you know that in Thai culture, to be grangjai is to is to ask too much, right? To put some people out, to impose on them, right? And and we come close in English when we would use the phrase, "Well, I hate to bother you, but," right? Because we know we know what we're asking is going to be a bother. It's going to trouble and inconvenience them. But we're desperate enough for help that we bother them anyway. We inconvenience them anyway, right? And so he says basically because this friend is willing to inconvenience his other friend, uh, the friend helps, right? If, if we would do that on a human level, how much more would God, right? If you go to God and ask for things, uh, can you bother? Here's the thing. Can you bother God? Can you inconvenience God, Right? Could you possibly ask him for something that he has to look at his calendar and go, oh, I'm not free that day, (laughs) right? No. Could you possibly come up with a request that God would say, wow, that's going to stretch me really thin. I don't know if I have the resources to cover that one, right? He is infinite. You cannot bother God. You cannot put him out. Uh, God will never be (laughs) Grangjai. 
right? He's never going to be troubled by our request. If our friends would do something just because we ask, what would God do if we just ask, right? Um, how much more is God capable of coming to our aid? Um, so he goes on. So see, that's the, he paints that example, and then he goes on and he just says it straight out. Right? He doesn't mince words, and Jesus says, And I tell you, ask. Right? Straight and forward. Jesus says, Look, ask. You've got to ask God for help. Right? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Okay, Jesus doesn't, like, like this is one of the few times where he makes things so clear, there's no need for, like, parables and explanations. He just, straight out, just ask, right? Uh, that's the relationship we are to have with God as our father and as a friend. Uh, he is... He is asking us, he's telling us, please come to me and ask. And if you ask, I guarantee you will receive. If you seek, I guarantee you will find. If you knock, I'm telling you, the door will be open to you. Um, it's just that simple. Uh, what does Jesus mean by ask, seek, and knock? And, and uh, they're all about prayer, uh, but they're slightly different focuses of it. Asking would be simply asking God for help, uh, for his supply for our needs. So in your time of trouble, the Bible says, ask God for help. When you're struggling, ask God for help. When you have physical needs, whether it's uh, food or money or health, he says ask, right, ask. Uh, to seek uh, it's really a, 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 maybe a deeper step, a further step of seeking his help, but more than that, seeking his, uh, to understand his plans and his will and purpose, right? This is amazing. God, uh, who created the universe, who from the beginning of the world has a plan and a purpose that's written out from beginning to end, and he's, he's got a plan for you. Right? He has a will and a purpose for your life. Uh, and, and he invites you to seek from him the knowledge about what that plan and purpose is. Right? He does not intend for you to be wandering around lost and, and confused about what your life is to be about. He says, seek and you will find. You will discover my purpose, my will, my plan, my, my calling over your life. And not only for your life, but for the age in which you live. Right? He wants to reveal his will, not for your own personal life, but for the church and for your ministry and for Thailand and, and beyond. Right? Uh, finally, a knock. Uh, well, knocking on a door. Well, what does the door lead to? Well, it leads into his presence. Right? It's to knock on the door of the throne room of heaven. And he says, you knock on that door and it will be opened. And you can go right into the very presence of the Holy God. Right? 
that's ultimately what prayer is. Right? It is asking for God's help. It is seeking his will. But ultimately, it is coming into the very presence of God and learning to live life with God as a real and tangible presence in your life. Not as some obscure, distant thing a million miles away, but something uh, near, uh, part of your life. It is to have an audience with the King of Kings, right? And to have that audience with him daily, daily, right? Um, so, so this is Jesus and, and God's invitation to us. He is asking you, he's, he's inviting you to come to him in prayer and ask, seek, and knock. And in so doing, he says, he promises, he guarantees that you will receive, find, and enter. But, but here's the catch, right? Does everybody receive, find, and enter? No. Does every, does every Christian, does every believer, because they've put their faith and trust in Christ, does every believer receive and find and, and enter? No. Jesus says only those who ask and seek and knock. So here's the reality Jesus is teaching here. Uh, God has incredible gifts and blessings he wants to pour out in your life. God has a storehouse of treasures waiting for you. But here's the deal. He is not going to give them until you ask. Uh, so you better ask. You better start asking. Right? We need to start asking and knocking. The third point he makes, uh, third picture, is also a, a word picture or image. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are the scumbags of the earth, <laughs> my own paraphrase, uh, I love how Jesus, it just makes me feel so good now. You fathers who are scumbags of the earth, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the perfect loving father of the universe give good things to his children? Right? Uh, it's an argument from lesser to greater. He says, you know that your lives are not perfect, and we know as fathers we're not perfect. We know that as much as we love our children, uh, there are limits to us, and, and we're filled with sin. But we know how to give our children good gifts. If they ask for a fish, we do not give them a poisonous snake. If they ask for an, a an egg, we don't give them a poisonous scorpion. If you do that, you go to jail for child abuse. <laughs> okay, just to be clear on that, right? And no loving, kind father would do that, right? Uh, we want to give, we long to give good things to our kids. If, if we do that, Jesus says, how much more would our Father in heaven? But notice what he says. Uh, he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give to you a new car? <laughs> Not what he says, right? Give to you fame and success and glory. Not what he says. What does he say? We give to you the Holy Spirit. He will give to you the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us at that point go, oh, really? Not really what I was hoping for, right? And here's the, here's the sad reality, 
right? We are so busy praying for trinkets and toys. We are so worried about toy guns and plastic soldiers when God wants to give us a nuclear missile, right? But we don't get it. We, we do not understand the power of God that is resident in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke, throughout his gospel, and we see this over and over again, uh, makes the connection between the Holy Spirit and the powerful operation uh, of ministry in Jesus' life. In in Luke, it's super clear. Jesus raises people from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches with authority by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus raises up disciples who then go out and turn the world upside down by the power of the Holy Spirit. are we aware of what God wants to give us? Right? He wants to unleash in our lives nuclear power. And we're praying for toy soldiers. Right? Um, we, we, we just don't get what God is really about in our life and what kind of power God wants to make available in us and for us for life and ministry. Um, so how do we get this power? Uh, what does he say? Well, he says, the Father, how much more will the Father give to you the Holy Spirit if you what? If you ask. Right? Again, Jesus makes it very clear. You will not receive that power if you are not praying and asking. Okay, okay. so how many of you want to learn how to pray? <laughs> I want to learn how to pray, Right? I want to know how to tap into that kind of power for life and ministry. Um, So let's go back, and in the last few minutes, let's look at those those reasons why we don't pray again. And I want to take my, and these are my excuses for not praying. You may have different excuses, so you'll have to do your own homework. But I want to connect the reasons I tend to not really pray with what Jesus teaches here. So let's look through this real briefly. For me, the first excuse why I don't pray uh, is that I don't really believe in in undelivered packages. Um, I I really don't believe that there are gifts that God would withhold from me until I ask. And oftentimes we get crazy uh, teaching or misunderstand doctrine and theology about God's sovereignty that kind of has this idea that, well, it's this fatalistic view of God that God's going to do what he's going to do because he's sovereign. And there's just nothing you can do about it, so don't, don't mess with him, right? God will give you what he wants to give you, and he's going to withhold what he doesn't. And there's just nothing you can do about that. Um, or perhaps um, uh, you know, we just have this assumption that God's so loving and good, he's kind of like Santa Claus, you know? He just, he just delivers the goods, you know? He's a, he's a big mailman in the sky. He's, you know, the sovereign UPS guy who just delivers the packages, you know? Your address is on the package. He gives it to you. It's just that simple. Um, and we, we, we don't really have this conviction or belief that we could indeed one day get to heaven when our life is over here and some angel brings us to a huge, great big storeroom full of packages and boxes with our name on it. And he says to us, the, the, the good, bad news, you know, these were all intended for you. It's a shame you never asked. Right? We just don't think that's true. But Jesus teaches here, it's very true. Because if you're not asking, you're not getting what God has intended for you. Right? It's just sitting up there waiting for you to ask. 
Um, and, and not only uh, sitting there waiting, but God is desperately wanting to deliver them, right? Uh, we could ask all kinds of questions about why he does it this way. And, and I just don't have time this morning to talk about that. But uh, there's reasons, right? Uh, just like we as parents, um, there's reasons why we don't just give our kids indiscriminately everything we think they want, right? Because it's called spoiling the child. It, it wrecks them, right? There is something about a child identifying, uh, identifying a need and, and asking you for it in this process of us teaching them about what appropriate, appropriate gifts are and how, how we give and the responsibilities that go with those gifts when we, when we work that out with them, right? And how much more with God who in infinite wisdom knows how to give us good gifts and he's decided that we need to ask first, right? That it's not healthy for us or for our growth if he just dumps them on us. Um, so the point of Jesus' teaching is very clear. You must ask and, 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 and seek and knock if you are to receive the undelivered packages that are waiting for us, the blessings that God wants to pour out in your life. Second problem. Uh, I don't pray often because I don't believe prayer really works. And, and I've talked to introduce that a little um, we have prayed many times. We've asked. We have, we have tried this, and it just didn't work. And so we've become convinced that prayer just doesn't work. You know, you can tell you can tell me all you want to, you know, ask and all, and you'll get. But you know, my experience says it just doesn't work that way. And I, I get too disappointed and frustrated, and it just wrecks my faith, and I just get cynical and bitter. <laughs> okay, and that, that's what happens, right? And so we say it's just better to not mess with that. So what's the problem? Well, uh, I think there's two issues at, at stake here. Uh, well, no, just one. Uh, let's talk about this one. Um, here's the deal. You know, we, we, we get the first part of the instruction, ask and it will be given to you, but we ignore the rest of the instructions Right? If prayer is not working for you, it's because you did not pay close attention to all the instructions. Right? Uh, and and the, the instruction that we probably are most missing is this one. Going back to the Lord's Prayer, how does it begin? Our Father who art in heaven, may your name become awesome and holy and, and full of glory in my life, right? Is that where you started praying when your prayer wasn't answered? Um, so second thing, and, and Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come. Okay, now that doesn't mean just, you know, I pray that someday Jesus shows up and, you know, sets up this new millennial kingdom and heaven. No, it means, God, I pray that you would have control and rule in my life. That you would be Lord and Master and King of my life. Okay, That is the starting point of every successful prayer. Because here's the deal. If you're not starting there, if you're not bowing before God and acknowledging His Lordship and sovereignty to rule over your life, your prayers are going to be often contrary to His purpose and His will. So, so it looks like this. Suppose you have a high school student who uh, 
You've been able to bless with a car so they could drive themselves to school. It's a huge thing. I loved it when my kids turned 16, <laughs> could drive themselves to school. I got them a car and made them get their driver's license because I wasn't doing it anymore. Good parenting. Um, and uh, so, so you, have, you have a student who's got, they can drive themselves to school. And, uh, you know, they come to you after a couple of weeks and they say, Dad, I need about, about 15,000 baht. You're going, wow, well, why? You know, we just put gas in the car. I just fixed it. It's in great shape. 15,000 baht, why? Well, every day on my way to school, I get a speeding ticket. Some cop stops me and gives me a 1,000 baht speeding ticket every day. And I've been collecting them, and now I owe 15,000 baht, so I need you to pay me 15,000 baht, right? Now, my guess is that as a good, loving parent, you're going to have a very clear, well-defined answer for your child. And it's not going to be 15,000 baht, right? It'll be something like, uh, give me the keys to the car and enjoy your ride in the song towel for the rest of the school year, right? Because this, this, is, not, this is not working, right? You are not submitting your life to the rules of the road, right? And the problem is not your fines that you need 15000 bought for. The problem is your life's out of control here. Right? So we've got to deal with that part first, right? Well, that's exactly the situation we are often in. We, we are not living life submitted to God's will. And because of that, we, life is self-destructing. We are full of all kinds of problems and trouble and turmoil. And, and we don't know what to do, so we cry out to God, God, help. Please help me. I'm dying here. Right? And God's, God's saying, hey, I'll, I'll help as, you, as soon as you hand over the keys to the car and let me drive. <laughs> right? until, I am in control, until I am in control of your life, and you are living life as I have instructed life to work. There is no answer I can give you. There's no help I can give you because the problem is not the outward things you think it is. It's, it's who's in control of your life. Right? Um, we must always start there. Is he really Lord of my life? And am I really living my life fully and completely for his glory? If that's true, I think you will find God answering prayers in incredible ways. But oftentimes not in ways that make you comfortable or necessarily fix all your problems. But always in ways that bring God glory and direct your life according to his purpose and will. I remember um, many years ago I was praying for God to reveal his will. And I was serious about it. I wanted to know his will mostly because I was unemployed and, and going bankrupt. Right? I'm like, God, please just show me. I'll do anything. Just show me what you want me to do, please. Right? And I'll do anything except right? there, was, there was a but. <laughs> I'll do anything but. Please don't make me pastor a church. <laughs> yeah, that was my prayer. Right? And you know what? For a year, uh, I prayed that prayer, and I never heard God Speak his will to me. Why? Well, because it just so happened the answer was he wanted me to be a pastor. So I I wasn't going to hear that, right? Because I had put conditions. I was not making him absolutely Lord, sovereign over my life. I had the right to rule 100% without conditions. Uh, The moment, literally the moment I surrendered, I said, okay, God, I will do anything. I will go wherever you, I'll be a pastor, I'll do whatever. I will honestly lay my life before you to do whatever you say. 
It was at that moment God instantly revealed his will in dramatic and miraculous ways and opened doors that uh, blew me away right, by how quick uh, and powerfully he answered that request. Right? Uh, we've, we've, so here's the thing. If, if God is not answering our prayers, right, you need to look at your life and say, am I really seeking in every way his glory? Am I absolutely committed to his lordship over every area of my life? Until you're at that place, honestly, you have no business asking. You have no business asking. Um, Ask, because God's gracious and sometimes he'll help us anyway. But there will be limits. And you will find a lot more unanswered prayers than answered ones until you deal with that thing daily in your life. Something we need to deal with every day. Am I yielding and surrendering my life to him? Uh, Last thing. Uh, honestly, okay, here's, here's the thing for me. I, I, oftentimes I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to pray, and I, I, you know, I get all fired up, right? And I'm like, God, I have no idea what to pray for. <laughs> I just have no idea, right? I have just no idea. And I have my little list, and I pray through my little list, and it's just like, God, I just don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to ask. Um, well, I think there's two, two problems here I want to talk about this. Um, First issue is this. Uh, if we feel like we have nothing to pray for, um, chances are very good that we are living life in a way that is far too personal and far too self-focused. Uh, we, we are not living as the Good Samaritan. Right? And, and here's, the, here's the problem. In our affluent Western lifestyle and culture where we, we honestly have most of our needs taken care of. You know, maybe not to the level we want, but we're not starving to death. We're not living on the street. We, uh, you know, we have stuff. And so we go to God for prayer, and it's like, well, I feel kind of guilty asking for more stuff, right? And so we don't know what to pray for. But here's the honest reality. If we are living like the Good Samaritan, and we have a heart that's being moved with compassion, we will see around us, maybe even in our own home, in our neighbors, in our community where we minister, we will see hurting people. Right? And if we are moved to do something to help them, we will have tons to pray for. Tons to pray for. Because we will real soon find out that we do not have the resources in ourselves to help them. Uh, I was in Gallison Province last week. Uh, with our church planting work there and our ministries there. And uh, everywhere I went, I'm just confronted with huge needs, physical needs, needs for, needs for physical healing for people whose bodies are broken and not working, uh, huge needs for economic help as everybody there is struggling to survive. Every person we talk to wants to know how we can help them make money, right? Every person, right? Uh, can you give me a job? Can you pay me? Can you pay my rent? Can you pay this? Can you pay that, right? Uh, huge spiritual needs, right? We work with leaders there, and one of my great frustrations is I don't feel like they're really living 100% for God's glory. They're living for themselves. And a lot of what they do in ministry is honestly to elevate their position and status in Thai society. Uh, and it's, I want to be careful to judge them, but that's just kind of where I feel they are. And you know what I can do about all those problems? Nothing. <laughs> I tried choking one guy. It didn't really help. Uh, boy, do I have a lot to pray for, though, right? 
because I realize that the only way we can help those people, the only way we can meet their needs is, is through prayer. And then remember the story where I come to my friend in the middle of the night. Why did he go to his friend in the middle of the night? Well, because he had a friend who needed his help, right? When, when we're that kind of person where people are coming to us because we're the kind of friend who wants to help people, we're the kind of friend who's reaching out with God's love and compassion. Believe me, we're going to have lots of things to pray about as we bring before God and say, God, I have a friend who needs my help and I don't have resources to help them. Please show me how I can help them. Please provide for me wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit and direction so that I can meet the needs of these people that I love and care for. We'll have something to pray for. Another reason we don't have anything to pray for is that we really are so caught up praying for trinkets and toys. And we don't really understand our desperate need for God's power. Um, and the problem is that we, um, you know, we, we, we we're called to ministry. We know that. And we're serious about ministry. We want to serve God. But we think it works like this. You know, I have my methods and my strategies for evangelism and my strategies for discipleship and teaching and preaching and church planting, and I've got this figured out. I have methods. And I come here, I'm an expert. In fact, my methods are so good that not only do I know how to do ministry, but I can tell other people how they should do ministry, right? And so I'm going to teach people, and I'm going to do trainings, and I'm going to do seminars because I am the expert, right? And, and we, we, we honestly believe that these methods will actually change people's lives, or my gift of preaching is going to change people's lives. Or my, my, my intention, my, because I live life intentionally, that that's going to make a spiritual, eternal impact in people's lives. And, you know, God wants us to use our brains, right? He doesn't ask us to check out our brains. He, he doesn't say we shouldn't be strategic or have methods. But, but, but Jesus would say this, your methods are nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Um, you are a carpenter who's got all the blueprints and, and, and all the hammers and all the tools, but you don't have one single building supply, right? You, have no, you don't have two boards to pound together until the Holy Spirit shows up, right? Um, are we convinced, are we desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to do ministry, to disciple our kids, to mentor our spouses, to grow in our own life spiritually, uh, to reach out to the world around us. Right? Jesus was the Son of God. Right? He knew the answers. Jesus could lead the workshops. Right? But he knew that without the power of the Holy Spirit, his life would be empty. If that was true of Jesus, how much more is it true of us? Right? Last thing. Uh, I think we don't really long for God's presence, right? We don't think we have anything to pray for because we are honestly quite complacent in our life. Uh, Jesus says, knock on the very door of heaven and it will be open and you can go into God's presence. Are you hungry and longing for that kind of close intimate connection with the living God of the universe. 
uh, it's painful because when you go into God's presence, he will expose in you everything you don't like about yourself. And so we're not so sure if we really want to knock on that door. But he invites us. And the promise is if we will knock on the door and go in, he will expose all the junk, but not to condemn us, not to torture us, but to heal us, to set us free from those things and shape and conform our life to the image and likeness of his son, to heal us with his own love and grace and kindness. He is not a father who, when we ask for bread, gives us a stone. When we go into his presence, he knows the good gifts that will heal us. But we've got to long for that. We must seek it. We must knock. We must daily pursue life in his presence. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Thank you.